team of parliamentary legal service. Uh, good morning, the state law advisors, Home Affairs uh, Deputy Minister, and your team. Uh, morning, the IEC uh, commissioners and the executive present here, and all our uh, media participants. <clears throat> Members, we are continuing with the our work of the electoral amendment uh, bill and the interaction with the stakeholders that uh, we have been interacting with. Um, as we have noted that we are continuing with the <clears throat> deliberations, there were areas where members have uh, referred for further uh, consultation, in particular to technical issues that uh, we may be advised on and the legal areas where also we may be advised on and the contributions of uh, the stakeholders who have invited here to come and uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, give their uh, side of uh, 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 areas in terms of the how the committee may need to look on some of the issues uh, that may require uh, legal advice and take technical areas. We'll take those uh, responses or presentations to the stakeholders. Members will comment on the areas that uh, will have been uh, presented on and will take a, a pause and come back for deliberation in the next uh, committee meeting that will be uh, on, uh, on Tuesday. And we have uh, confirmed that we have requested the, the application to proceed with the uh, deliberation during this recess so that we are able to conclude this process at the level of the portfolio committee and we're able to report to the national uh, assembly that uh, as you know that the parliament is in recess but we'll continue with the work of the portfolio committee so that we make sure that all the areas that requires our attention and require the attention of parliament are all exhausted for purpose of making sure that which we have been directed as a committee or the parliament to deal with, we are able to respond to that. I'm not going to take much time. Will this is our agenda as it has been highlighted? We'll get into the brief on the uh, legal parliamentary legal service, just on the general issues that are uh, uh, we've noted and we perhaps we've gone through the uh, responses uh, on the extension of the uh, application that we sought as parliament will then invite uh, the content advisor to recap on the issues that we deliberated on and the issues that we refer for further uh, uh, consultation uh, and i must indicate that issues that we referred are in relation to uh, legal areas and technical issues that the iec Many to come in, uh, including the methods that uh, we've been requesting the IC to come and deal with a, 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 the a, a troop a, a method. The then will receive uh, as item five uh, those comments or responses presentation by the stakeholders and members uh, will comment and will then have the the responses on the issues. Then we'll step off for further deliberation in our next uh, committee meeting, as I've highlighted, will then come item seven on the adoption of the uh, annual report, which was presented in our uh, uh, portfolio committee and referred to members to look at. 
And I think we've managed to deal with that and comment and, and adopt. And that will be a framework of our <clears throat> meeting uh, uh, today. I'll then invite uh, Mr. Matonsi to uh, render apologies and introduction if there's uh, any introduction to be uh, to be done, Mr. Matunzi. Thank you. Hi, Chairperson. Um, I've got only one apology from Ms. Kanyele. She's not in the meeting. Uh, she will join us in another meeting, not this kind of meeting. And then uh, I don't have any introduction, Chairperson, uh, except that now all the stakeholders that are here will be with them in the previous meetings. Thanks, Chairperson. Thank you. That uh, note and approve the apology. Is there any other apology, members? Noted. Any apology, uh, Deputy Minister? Or Minister? I may not have noticed. I just only saw the DM. Minister, is there any other apology? Not that I'm aware of, uh, Chair. Good morning. Uh, let's ask the DG if there's any official. DG? Thank you, Minister, uh, for attending and the DM. Um, DG, is there any apology? No, good morning, uh, Minister. Good morning, uh, Deputy Minister and Chairperson and uh, all the members, uh, also uh, the CEO of the IEC and uh, uh, Deputy Commissioner and Commissioners. Uh, there's no apology from uh, our side. Uh, it's uh, mainly um, Advocate Malakata and myself that have been attending the sessions. Thank you. Thank you, DG. Commissioner La. Morning, Chairperson. Um, morning, members. Um, we have apologies from um, the judge who is uh, in court today, and also Dr. Masuku will be joining us a little later. Um, the uh, um, administration team is led by the CEO, and he'll introduce it into court. Thanks. Okay, thank you very much. The state law advisor, is there an apology that we need to note? Morning, Chair. No, there's no apologies from our side. Thank you. Uh, Parliamentary Legal Service, uh, is there an apology that you need to note? Uh, uh, Chairperson, we, we all here. We have Thank you very much. Then we can, uh, thanks very much for uh, attending. Uh, we can then move to the, the, uh, the, uh, the item that is following, uh, Mr. Matunzi. Yes, the, the item following is... Uh, uh, the content advisor to uh, recap on the last meeting. Adam? Uh, good morning. Yes, I, sorry. I, I saw that they had uh, the, the agenda had uh, legal services first and then myself, but... Uh, oh, yeah, I, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Adam. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was my mistake. Uh, I think it's, it's the, uh, the Parliament Legal Service on the extension. I'm sorry. Okay. So for that, uh, uh, colleagues, uh, apologies. Um, let me invite uh, Parliament Legal Service to take us through on the outcome of the Constitutional <coughs> Court uh, extension. Thank you very much. Um, good morning, Chairperson and Honourable Members and colleagues who are on the platform. Chairperson, um, I think briefly, we had made an application to the Constitutional Court, and I think in the last meeting, we gave a briefing indicating that there have been some interventions uh, 
where some people wanted to join and oppose the application that we had made. Um, and there was an application or a counter application to ours for a reading as opposed to what we had applied for. The Constitutional Court, based on the papers that had been filed and the written submissions, has since issued an order that Parliament has been granted an extension. Our extension is until the 10th of December. Um, in our affidavit, you will recall, Chairperson, we had made certain, shall we say, commitments in terms of how quickly we want to finish the process so that we allow the President an opportunity as well to consider the bill, and if there are comebacks from that consideration that Parliament still has sufficient time to deal with those comebacks. That is the reason why we had asked for a, a full six months, which ends on the 10th. But the long and short of it, Chairperson, is that we have been granted our extension. The counter-application was dismissed, and the application for uh, freedom Advocacy Network was turned down. So it is now up to Parliament to deal with the matter within the timeframes that have been granted by the Constitutional Court. And I think, Chairperson, that's the long and short of it. Um, I, I, I wouldn't want to say more on it because we don't know what is going to happen in the next coming months. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Mr. Njikela and the, and the team. We may not comment on the brief uh, members. Uh, that is was for the purpose of uh, the recording in our portfolio committee, that summary uh, a brief. Uh, and as we've indicated in our application, I think all of us, we are privy to the details of the application and we have requested the parliamentary legal team just to brief uh, the committee, as Mr. Njigela has uh, accurately uh, uh, briefed. So we may not uh, comment or take uh, pose questions to the to the process. We'll now invite. Uh, uh, thanks to you, Mr. Mr. Njigela on that brief uh, and with your with your legal team. I'll now invite uh, the content advisor, uh, Mr. Salman. Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, can I confirm that the document is uh, on the screen? Yes, you can put it. Thank you, Chair. Uh, yes, just to recap again, um, the clauses that uh, are relevant to that are that, that need changes. Um, I'll go through here. I just um, I captured in the last meeting uh, the members' consensus on each of the bills that or each of the clauses that needed uh, needed changes. Um, so the first of them is clause one, uh, where there are two definitions. Uh, the one for region, uh, members, uh, three members of the committee uh, suggested that the word region was clear enough, and only one member dis uh, thought that, that more clarity was needed. Um, on the party liaison committee, um, all the four members who commented indicated that, uh, that the party liaison committee should be ref uh, redefined to include independent candidates. 
Um, I'll then move on to clause four, where the next change occurred, which was um, relating to section 31A and 31B3, uh, needing to be revised to bring independence in line with political party candidates in terms of not being required to be ordinary resident in the region in which they were registered to stand in an election. And three members were in favor of, of this. Um, and two wanted further clarity on what the implications of independent candidates uh, contesting several provinces uh, would be. Um, and then also in clause four, um, point four there, uh, should there be signatory requirements for independence as compared to uh, none for political party candidates? Um, three members indicated that both independent candidates and party candidates should, should require signatures and that this way was, uh, and that the way this was done at the local government elections could work. Um, two members wanted further clarity on how the number of signatures would be calculated and how this would be done, uh, how this was done elsewhere in the world. Um, the fifth point, uh, should there be a requirement for the determination of the number of signatures uh, or the deposit needed for the independent candidates be left to the IEC to formulate in regulations or should the formula be uh, uh, indicated in the bill itself? Uh, two members felt that the formula should remain in the regulations, but two members wanted to know how this could be presented in the bill. Uh, six, should the deposit for independent candidates be the same as parties, uh, given that they only qualify for one seat? Three members felt that the deposit should be the same, and two felt that it should be more fair if the, the independent candidates had a lower, have lower deposit. Point, point seven on clause four. Uh, should the requirement uh, for 31B3F uh, of not having been a member of a political party for three months prior to running uh, as an independent candidate remain be re increased or reduced? Um, four members were in favor of the, the clause as it stands, and one member indicated that it may not be necessary since the requirement of signatures would mean that, uh, that last-minute candidates could not in any case stand. Um, I'm just going to mute the noise. Um, clause eight, um, depending on the decision on point uh, five above relating to deposits, uh, the section on refunds may need to change. Uh, however, all members were in favor of deposits. Um, uh, all the members that, that contributed on the, uh, indicated that deposits uh, would still remain given that deposits would still be required. So the next clause that will change is clause 11. Point nine there relating to the, the ratio of regional and compensatory seats to parties. Uh, should it remain 50-50, that is 200 to 200 seats, or change to 75% to 25%, uh, or, or to allow candidates, independent candidates to run uh, for all 400 seats? on what the implications of the different scenarios with uh, smaller parties would be. Uh, point 10 there, uh, relating to constituencies, whether they should be increased to 66 or 200, as in the fund sales Labbit or Lakota bill. Um, the four members that, that contributed felt that we should rather be at a later stage, uh, given the time left prior to the next election to bring about these changes, uh, given that the changes are quite significant. Uh, 
And then the in clause 11.5 to 8 uh, relates to whether there should be three rounds or a single or two rounds or one round on, on uh, the calculation of seats. Um, remember, we wanted, wanted further clarity on how the single versus the three round group formula would work, which is, uh, has been um, provided for by the, the IEC in their submission, which I will present to later. Um, should clause 1116 be removed in favor of ensuring compliance prior to election rather than forfeiting seats if parties don't have enough candidates on their lists uh, after an election? Uh, three members were in favor of this. Uh, that is removing the, the post requirement and rather have it as a pre-requirement. Uh, one member indicated the current model at local government elections works. Um, clause 1116 to 25, or 16 and 25, uh, Subclause 16 and 25. Uh, should the IC draft a proposal for the inclusion of a um, three ballot system for the National Assembly compensatory, National Assembly regional, and provincial legislature, um, either with the requirement of being ordinarily resident uh, or not? Um, and three members were in favor of the, the three, three ballot system, three members that commented. Uh, clause 1134, uh, how would it be responded to in court? Um, the disadvantage of independents having their independent, their, their surplus votes discarded. Uh, all members were in favor of retaining the clause as it stands in terms of um, uh, uh, excess votes being discarded. Uh, point 15 on clause 11, uh, sub clause 34 on whether there should be a by-elections replacing for replacing independents. Uh, four members were in favor of the next candidate in line filling the vacancy, irrespective of whether they were a party or independent candidate. And one member indicated that, there, that this should be based on the initial election numbers and not a recalculation. Uh, then, this is currently not in the bill, but it relates to Chapter 5, Section 68 and 69, um, of the Electoral Act needing to allow for independents to have agents um, during, uh, during elections and, and voting stations. Uh, members were in favor of this. Uh, there was general consensus. Uh, the committee wanted the IEC to clarify whether a voting station would be able to accommodate party agents and agents that uh, would represent independent candidates. That is a question of space, really. Um, also, just to indicate that this would require, um, in terms of NA rules, uh, for the committee to apply to the NA, National Assembly, to uh, extend the, to include additional sections of uh, in, the, in the bill. They're not currently in the bill, so this would require um, additional uh, permission from the House. Um, and then just to follow on to that, um, I, I did um, um, a response in relation to the IEC's, uh, let me just share, sorry. Uh, just a, a further few points, um, a further document, uh, which I'll just quickly share. There are five points in relation to the IEC's response to these two issues with the chairperson also asked me to, to go through. Um, so the IEC indicated in its submission uh, on point 27, uh, which they will be presenting um, now, that a draft item 3.4 would mean 
Would this mean that Clause 431A on independent candidates would be redrafted to be on par with Clause 1134 of the bill uh, on political party candidates, which provides that the name of the same party candidate may appear on a list for one region and a national list of a party, but may not appear on more than one regional list? Um, that is to say that... Uh, the, the committee has to decide whether um, independent candidates will be allowed to run across across regions, um, but not political parties, um, but then also be allowed to run at a national level, um, as as is allowed with political political parties. And then on point twenty nine, the IC proposes that the number of signatures required for uh, uh, for establishment um, of an independent candidate be half the quota in the equivalent elections based on the previous election results. And the question is, is this only for independent parties or for political parties too? And, and is this irrespective of the, 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 uh, the deposit paid? And the question is, why is this so much higher than the, the 500 uh, signatures required to establish a political party in terms of the re regulation and registration of political parties? Um, there, the there also hasn't been indicated what the international best practice is for four signature requirements around the world, and perhaps the IEC can reflect on that. And then, and then the IEC didn't respond to the the members who were uh, in favour of the 300 to 100 split of re regional to compensatory, um, but only to the one member who was in favour of the current 200 to 200 split. Uh, and the one member who was wanting further clarity on the whether the scenarios, what the implication would be for smaller political parties, which would in fact it would be in their favour, um, based on the uh, particularly on the one-round um, counting system that IC has proposed. And then point five, the IC did not respond to the proposal that clause eleven sixteen should be removed in favour of ensuring compliance prior to elections rather than forfeiting seats if parties don't have enough candidates on their list after an election. So those are just the, the gaps that we identified in the uh, presentation to be made by the IEC. Um, I, can, I can raise this again, or I've shared this with members as well. Um, thank you, and that I'll stop there, Chairperson. Thank, thank you very much, uh, uh, Mr. Adams. We've uh, worked on the uh, recap uh, issues uh, and I think we've realized that uh, Mr. Adams has uh, some also indicated that two or three members in favor of this and that, and that does not constitute decisions of the of the process those were um, deliberations so that I made the purpose of further uh, uh, presentation as we are waiting for our uh, stakeholders secondly the issues that the last item that was raised circulated to uh, to members in terms of the other areas that uh, uh, the team managed to uh, to interact uh, with We'll now get into the uh, uh, um, uh, third, the third item, Mr. Matunzi, for stakeholders. Yes, the 
third item chairperson we're starting with the department on their yes. presentation yeah we also requested that uh, uh, because we are on the parliamentary uh, uh, live stream we may need to switch on our videos uh, it's not necessarily compulsory but where possible uh, all our speakers um, may need to um, appreciate the uh, uh, that request from the uh, parliamentary media team or communication team thanks very much if the the next item is the dha if i'm correct mr matons yes chairperson is the dha it will be followed by parliament legal service it will be followed by uh, the state law advisors and then the last will be the iec yeah the option that we thought it would be proper is that we may need to take uh, the presentations and we interact with them if the comments for members rather than to get into one presentation ask questions because some of the issues presentations are related uh, or the responses uh, if that proposal sit well with you um, or if you have any other proposal on how we must handle the four presentations that uh, uh, be uh, us. Uh, perhaps let me not be instructive. Let me just uh, sort guidance from uh, members. Uh, can I uh, invite uh, uh, Honourable Co-Chair, uh, Honourable Merve? Chairperson, no, I'm happy with that proposal. Let's take all the submissions and then we can uh, comment or ask questions afterwards. So we are happy with your proposal. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Any second? Honorable um, Ross? Yes, Chair, I second that. I think we, we have a holistic view at the end and then we can uh, engage with that. So we, we receive all the okay. presentations. Get sense then... from, uh... Okay. Honorable Mudise? I support I that. Chair. Okay. Thank you very much, uh, members. I think we'll, 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 uh, as a collective, uh, um, thank you very much, uh, Minister. Oh, yes, Minister, if there's issues uh, from DHA. No, thank you, Chair. No issues. Oh, there's no presentation from uh, uh, DHA? Oh, no. I'll, uh, yeah, can the DG take over? The DG is here. <laughs> the, the issues. I thought maybe you were asking me about your proposal. No, 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 no. I members were seconding. I'm sorry, I misunderstood. No, okay. no, no. So, sorry. Yeah, you yeah, can proceed. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, I'm leaving it to the DG and, and Advocate Malaga. Okay. Thank you, DG and Advocate Malaga. No, thank you so much, uh, Chairperson, and uh, thank you to the Minister, the Deputy Minister. I uh, hope the team uh, will be able to fly the presentation. I'm able to fly uh, the presentation for us. Yes, DJ, I can do that.
Are you winning, uh, Muzi? My apology, DJ. I don't have the powers and privileges to share the screen this side. Okay. Adam, are you able to assist, please? I've made him a co-host, uh, DJ Muzi. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you. So, Honorable Minister, Honorable uh, Deputy Minister will be responding to the uh, 16 issues uh, that uh, were raised. The first one, the question was uh, as to whether uh, the definition of a region sufficiently uh, sufficiently clear as compared to uh, a province. That was the first question that was posed. And our response, uh, as received from Council, uh, is that yes, the term region is synonymous uh, with the provinces, and that using uh, different terms follows what uh, currently is provided for in the Electoral Act. And the Council is of the view that uh, this will enable that uh, we do not confuse, as you'll recall, um, honorable members, the provincial to national seats in the National Assembly and the elections for the provincial legislatures. So that's the first response to uh, the first issue that's raised in terms of a close one. And the second question as to whether there's a need to redefine party liaison committees or liaison committees or electoral uh, liaison committees along uh, the inclusion of uh, such in amendments to section 20, 62 and 64 of the electoral act as well as uh, related clauses in the Electoral Commission Act to allow for the inclusion of independent candidates in these consultative bodies. The advice that we have received from Council is that, yes, the term can be changed as uh, proposed in Section 1, Section 20, Section 62, and 64 of the Electoral Act, Section 5, 1G of the Electoral Commission Act. The view from Council is that uh, this must be amended as the uh, commission, um, as the uh, as the one that uh, establishes party liaison committees under that provision in terms of the regulations, and then on uh, clause four, the question that was asked was whether should amendments to thirty one a, a and thirty one b three f be moved to bring independence in line with the political party candidates in terms of uh, not being required to be ordinary resident in a region in which they are registered to stand in an election. The advice that we've received from Council is as follows. At the present moment, Clause 2 currently provides that a party must provide the following with its list of candidates for national and provincial elections. I quote, C states that the declaration signed by each candidate appearing on the party's regional list of candidates or provincial list of candidates referred to in Schedule 1, confirming that he or she is registered to vote within the regional province in which the election takes place. Accordingly, party candidates contesting regional seats in the National Assembly or provincial legislatures effectively are also only entitled to contest one province or region and brackets the advice is that party candidates on nationalists do not have the same requirement. So that's the advice that we've received. And then on four, the question was on the signature requirements for independent candidates as compared to non-four party candidates. If we can move further down, Mozi. 
the legal advice that uh, we receive from council is that uh, currently there's different calculus for party candidates and independent candidates and therefore to register under the electoral commission act parties must satisfy certain eligibility requirements uh, that do not apply to uh, independent uh, candidates and then on five should the deposit for independent candidates in 31b 3b be the same as parties given that uh, they only qualify for one seat and the advice that we've received from council is that uh, this is currently not provided for in the bill and our view is that uh, the mandated uh, institution in this case the IEC should be able to set a reasonable deposit for independent candidates and this will likely be less than the deposit for political parties. That's the advice that we've received from uh, council. On six, should the requirement for the determination of a number of signatures required or the deposit needed for independent candidates be left to the IEC to formulate in regulations or should the formula for the determination of signature requirements or deposit be included in the bill? In this instance, Council has expressed the view that uh, the Commission, again, as an independent body, should be empowered to set this requirement, which may need to change depending, of course, on the population statistics in the various regions mm. at uh, various uh, times. And whether the Commission should be responsible, uh, therefore, and uh, whether this should be set in the legislation. And the legal advice is that uh, this is a policy question that we'll need to uh, respond to. And then on seven, I suppose it's the same. Should the requirement in 31B3F of not having been a member of a political party for three months uh, prior to the election, again, uh, this is a policy question uh, that uh, the uh, committee will need to uh, respond to. Prior to the and election, again, uh, this is a policy question uh, that uh, the, the committee will need to uh, respond to. There's a uh, there's someone who switched on the something uh, DG. Sorry, I don't know who's that. Mr. Matunsi, can you just assist us so that there's no disturbance on the uh, members who are presenting? Thank, thank you, Chairperson. Now in clause eight, uh, the response from Council indicated here is that depending on uh, decisions on uh, 0.5 above on deposit uh, the section on refund may have to change and we have noted uh, that and then uh, again uh, clause uh, 11 should the clause 11 one ratio of regional and compensatory seats to parties remain 50 50 split uh, or 200 to 200 or change to 75 percent to 25 percent or to allow candidates to contest all 400 seats again uh, council has advised that uh, this is a policy question uh, that will need to uh, respond to and then number 10 um, i think this was a reference to uh, constituency 60 600 as in the report or the Lakota uh, bill um, the advice that we receive from council is that a single member constituency system as suggested in the Fanzel-Slavet uh, report and the Lakota proposals reflects the maximalist approach 
uh, which the ministerial advisory committee did not uh, support. And that's uh, the view from council uh, as well. And then uh, on uh, 11, uh, in clause 11, five to eight on regional seats, the question was whether should the three rounds remain the same or a single round according to the group system. I suppose this is a matter that uh, the IEC will respond to. Uh, again, the advice was that these are policy questions. And uh, from our side, Council uh, is currently working on a memorandum to look at uh, the IEC uh, proposal. And then on 12, again, uh, it's a similar policy question whether should clause 11, 16 be removed in favor of ensuring compliance to elections rather than forfeiting seats if parties don't have enough candidates on their list after an election. Again, council has indicated these are policy questions that we'll need to look at. They are currently working again on a memorandum to look at this question in particular. And the same with the uh, 13, uh, whether the IEC draft a proposal for inclusion in the bill of a three ballot system for National Assembly compensatory and also National Assembly regional and provincial legislatures, either with a requirement for being ordinarily resident in the region for all candidates or a removal of this requirement for all candidates. Again, the council has advised that these are policy questions and they will be working on a memo to discuss some of the proposals from the IEC. And then on 14, uh, clause 1134, how would it be responded to in court to the objection that the major disadvantage of uh, independents having their surplus votes discarded effectively means they have no choice but to run as parties, which then means the bill does not uh, truly uh, or fairly address the constitutional court ruling for the inclusion of independents in the National Assembly and the NCOP. Again, members, uh, council has uh, advised that uh, these are very complex uh, legal and constitutional, uh, including policy questions that uh, they will require some time to uh, consider and uh, revert back uh, to us. And then uh, 11, if you can scroll up. Uh, similarly, uh, here on the by-elections for replacing independent candidates, uh, and um, honorable members will recall that um, in one of the presentations, we hinted around the cost implications and so on and so forth. So alternatively, the one proposal that was made was that uh, should the votes be transferable as per the Likota bill where independent uh, uh, having a list of running mates or independent with the next or the independent uh, candidate with the next highest number of votes in the initial election to fill uh, the uh, seat. I think again, uh, these are uh, complex issues that uh, council has advised that they're working on a memo to address uh, the alternative in terms of filling of uh, seats vacated by independent candidates in both the national assembly and provincial legislatures. Now, the last part is what's not uh, included uh, in the bill. Uh, this is 16, a proposal amendment to chapter 15 on the electoral act is needed to allow uh, for independent to have agents during elections. I think we have noted this, but obviously the IEC will then respond with regards to how practical it is. You'll recall chair that uh, some of the uh, voting stations are quite small and how will this be able to be uh, implemented? 
that's the uh, last uh, response. Thank you so much, uh, Chairperson. Uh, back to you. Thank you. Thank you very much, TG, uh, uh, Minister, for and your legal team for these uh, responses um, as a result of the uh, deliberations in our last uh, committee uh, meeting. We'll note that. Um, can I invite uh, a state law advisor? Is that the second uh, stakeholder, Mr. Matunzi? Mr. Matunzi? Yes, Chairperson, uh, the, the, the second presenter is our parliamentary legal uh, okay. service. Okay, no, thank you, uh, Mr. Njigela. Thanks very much for. You can come in. Uh, uh, th th thank you once again, Chairperson. Um, Chairperson, uh, having noted how the department has proceeded in terms of its replies to some of the issues that were raised, maybe I should say this right at the outset that we have followed the same format in our document, following the issues that Mr. Salmon had raised in the last meeting. So it may appear to be quite a tedious exercise. But Chairperson, right at the beginning, we, we, we make the point that, um, I don't know if uh, um, Adam or Eddie may be able to flight our document. Okay, um, Eddie? Right. Yes, okay. Let, let me try. I thought it's showing. Okay, let me try again. But while he's doing that, Chairperson, we, 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 we have identified what we consider to be legal or constitutional issues that we will need to respond to. And we do so briefly, taking into cognizance the fact that we had previously made an extensive submission to the committee. Um, Chairperson, I am not suggesting that the, the lines are bright between what is policy and law, because sometimes the two overlap. And I think that's the difficulty, which is, it has become apparent even in the department's presentation now. But we try to the extent that is possible for us to deal with what we consider to be legal issues. On close one, Chair, I, I haven't seen the document on the screen yet. Uh, let, let me just uh, a minute, Mr. Uh, Mr. Salmon, is there any challenge? No, it was me, Chairperson. I'm not sure I'm able to see it from my side. Adam? We can't see it, um, but you haven't <clears throat> distributed the legal service document to the rest of, to the rest of us yet. Eddie, if you give me sharing rights, I don't mind uh, fighting it for Mr. Njikela. Is that uh, Telana? Yes, yes, Eddie. Yeah. Oh, okay, no, let me do that. Sorry, Mr. Njikela, for the mess up. Uh, it's all right, Chair. Okay, you can share it now.
Okay, um, thank you. Thank, thank you, you Chairperson. Um, starting with clause one, and given that we are all seemingly following the same approach, uh, I will not go into details where we already agree with what the department has said. But the first question that was raised was the issue of the definition of a region vis-a-vis -vis the province. Uh, the definition, as the department has already indicated, the definition of a region and the province seem to somehow coincide. And the primary concern that members had raised with regard to this issue was whether it's not con co uh, uh, creating confusion. And therefore, whether we should stick to one term as opposed to the other. And it will appear that the answer lies in the fact that the Act at the moment already uses region, which is supposed to be aligned with the regional seats. And it is agreed, Chair, that potentially this may create confusion to some because we don't make laws for ourselves, we make laws for the public. So to the extent that there is a danger of a confusion, uh, the committee may have to consider how it will deal with that. But for the purposes of definitions, a region is defined in the current bill as a territorial area of a province. And chairperson, as you will know, section 103 defines what provinces are and it lists all the nine provinces. So in as much as it is clear in legal terms, but we may have to consider if there is a possibility of us simplifying for an ordinary person. And I think that's where the concern was from the members. But, but Chairperson, we will take it no further than that, that it is an issue that must be considered. But if it is changed, there may be implications for other provisions of the Act that may have to be aligned with whatever change that the committee will propose at the end of the day. The next one, Chairperson, was the issue of the party liaison committee. And I think in the deliberations in the last meeting, there seems to be general consensus that party liaison committees, the nomenclature was based on the system that we are seeking to rectify at the moment, which is a system that was based on the party list. Now that there is general consensus and the Constitutional Court has made an order that independence must be accommodated in the system, it will appear that referring to party liaison committee may be excluding independent candidates. So we agree that there must be a consideration of using a different nomenclature to refer to the liaison committee. And there seems to be no legal difficulties with that. But we do raise in our issue, in, in, in our document, the issue of consequential amendments that may have to be done if we do change the name, because the Act already refers in various sections. And I think the department again touched on that. And we, we have in mind here uh, section one. 20, 62, 64, and 100. And that will include the code to just make sure that there is 
consistency in the use of the word. On clause two, Chairperson, on whether requires on whether clause two requires those on the party's regional list to be registered to vote, but not ordinary residents. Now, this is the issue of residency, which again was discussed last Hello. week, whether it is fair. Hello. Um, who is that? Um, Adam? Yeah, uh, Madam, let's, let's try to respect uh, presenters, uh, colleagues. It, I think it's important. Um, it's unfair to disrupt our presenters because we are not disrupted when we are on the on the platform. I just want to appeal to to those that are acting aliens. Thank you. You can proceed. Uh, so, so thank you very much, Professor. Close to raise the issue of, of, of residence, the person like I was saying, that it's a question in our previous uh, presentation we had explained as a policy issue. Uh, but we do highlight that there seems to be a, some form of differentiation between independent candidates and parties to the extent that the parties are not required to be resident. And we also indicate in our document that if you look at the system that is used at the municipal level, there seems to be no requirement for persons to be resident in the ward in which they want to contest. And we point this out, Chairpersons, for the committee's consideration again, as to whether it is fair to have these different systems for these different entities, that is the independents and parties, and whether we should be considering using the system that is already used at the ward level where all is required is that you must be nominated or the nominator must be resident or registered to vote in a particular ward, not necessarily that the candidate must be resident. So that is a matter that the committee should consider. And I'm trying, Chairperson, not to read line by line yeah, because the document we had assumed that it is being circulated and most of the issues overlap between what the department is saying and we are saying. The next item, Chairperson, is your clause three, which is an amendment of section 28 of the act, which provides for non-compliance with the submission of lists. We, 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 we make no further point on that other than what we have already said in terms of the issue of residence. Uh, I just want to see if there is any point that we need to emphasize in this. I think it's already what I've covered here that the, all the requirement in terms of local government is that the nominator of the independent candidate must be resident and registered, not the candidate himself or herself. The next issue, Chairperson, is the issue of signatures, which again the department has dealt with. In our previous submissions, 
we had indicated that there is nothing specifically unconstitutional about requiring candidates to have a certain number of signatures. And these, we, we pointed out in our last briefing that there are already decided cases on that question. And we referred the committee to the case of the ACT and the case of the, of the EFF with regard to issues of requirements or qualifications as some people prefer to, to, to call it, that that requirement on its own is not necessarily unconstitutional because it is a requirement that is intended to sift the candidates, those who have a basis to contest based on the support that they have. So you, you, you need to have a system that separates what the Constitutional Court referred to as frivolous candidates from serious candidates who have a base or constituency in a particular community. So in, in that sense, there is no unconstitutionality that we can identify. But we need to bring the attention of the committee to another judgment, which is the Rechter judgment. Again, it's in our document. Where the court makes a very important point that any electoral law that is being developed must aim to enfranchise rather than to unduly restrict the rights of citizens to vote and stand for elections. And we think this is the important point that comes out even from the new nation judgment, which has resulted in this process, that the, 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 the attempts that we make in passing new laws should be intended to create more platform rather than to restrict the platform. So that comes to the issue of whether independent candidates requires the same number of signatures or same deposit as political party. And in our previous presentation, we had raised the issue that it could be that an independent candidate may not have the same financial muscle that a political party because a political party has members. And in most instances, parties that are already registered and have participated in elections are getting funding from government. Because you are introducing a new law now, independent candidates may not immediately have that kind of financial muscle. And this is the issue that the committee has to consider if imposing the same requirements will be seen as discouraging an independent candidate, or should the committee consider creating different dispensation for independent candidates vis-a-vis -vis political parties. And, and of course, this issue was discussed in the last meeting, Chairperson, and some views were expressed that given the fact that all of, our, all of the entities are competing for seats in parliament and that there is a possibility of a refund, whether it shouldn't be the same I think the point that one may want to make in this respect is whether if potentially a political party has a possibility 
of occupying more than one seat, while an independent candidate is limited to one seat. So these may be these peculiarities around a development of a legislation that intends to accommodate both the independent candidates and the political parties. And there are differences which are practical between the parties and independents. So I think the system that we create should be intended to accommodate both parties and independents in a manner that could be seen to be fair. And we consider it to be outside our expertise to prescribe, and I'm hoping that the IEC will deal with the issue in their response more in detail than we can as legal advisors. The the next issue, Chairperson, again, is is the issue of deposits and signatures, which I've already dealt with both, that there is nothing necessarily unconstitutional subject to the questions of fairness that one may want to consider in terms of what, what are the possible ways of encouraging or of being seen to be encouraging and opening the space for independent candidates, given the different financial muscle that each may have compared to a party. But again, Chairperson, we make the point that these remain largely policy issues and the committee needs to consider and make a decision on that. Uh, the next point, Chairperson, was the issue of the cooling off period, which the department has already dealt with and uh, has indicated that they may come back on it based on the issue of advice they get from from their council. But in our view, we're simply saying this is, is a policy issue. The department needs to develop a, a, a policy position and advise the committee why is it necessary and why is it important that there should be a, a cooling off period. But I don't think as parliamentary legal services we're in a position to, to take it further than that. It is a policy issue. Uh, the next one, Chairperson, is clause eight. Depending on the decision, and again, the department has dealt with the issue on the issue of deposits and signatures, and the issue of refunds. In our view, this clause will only need to change if an independent candidate is not required to pay a deposit. Otherwise, the deposit should be returned if the IC, that is the independent candidate is allocated one seat, similarly to what would happen in the case of the party. But of course, Chairperson, I go back to the point we made earlier, that what seems to be the big issue is whether we're opening equal access between independent candidates and parties to contest election. Not so much that there is a possibility of a refund, because if I can't raise the money for, for, for instance, to stand, it means I'm already excluded, while a party may have better capacity to raise the money. So it's not so much about the issue of refund, uh, but it's a matter of whether we're opening access to independent candidates in a similar way as the parties 
The next one, Chairperson, that we speak to is Clause 11 on the issue of compensatory seats. It is a highly polycentric issue, which we do not believe that it, it requires us to respond, but we do express a view um, in, in 9.1 that a policy decision had been taken to lead, to have a split of 200 regional and 200 competitive seats. The justification for this can only be obtained from the department, and I'm hoping that the department will be able to do so at some point. The Constitution does not provide an independent candidate with the right to be included in the compensatory seat. And we have already had a discussion, Chairperson, around the difficulty of compensatory seats for independent candidates. Because as an independent, you can only occupy one seat at a time. So these are the practical differences that we have to deal with. And then a view has already been expressed in the past deliberations that there may be other things that could be done to facilitate this issue of accommodating independent candidate within the existing electoral system. But whether all of this can be done within the context of the current bill or it's something that as a country we should be considering going forward beyond just complying with the constitutional court order that has a deadline now. So for, for that reason, Chairperson, and for practical reasons, which I've already alluded to, the issue of the right to compensate for the city is a bit of a problematic issue now. The next issue, Chairperson, was the issue of reference to constituencies as referred to in the Fanzais Labrador report. And again, Chairperson, we make the point that in our view, it is a purely policy issue. And we were hoping that the department in their presentation, they will sufficiently deal with that. The same Chairperson applies to the group system, which is the next one on point 11. We, we make the point that Item 8 of Clause 11 of the bill illustrates that the group quota system is only used at round 3 in the allocation of votes for regional seats. Considering that the group system is used to establish proportionality, what is the justification for using the group quota only in round 3? Then again, Chairperson, we are not in a position to provide definitive answers because this is a policy issue, which we had hoped that between the IEC and the department, they may be able to assist. Of course, the IEC still has to speak on the issue. I'm hoping that they will be able to provide it. The, the next one, Chairperson, is the issue of forfeiture of seats in our paragraph 12. If parties don't have enough candidates on their, on their list after an election, this exact section was contained in the previous Schedule 1 of the Electoral Act under Section 7.1. But perhaps the Department of the IEC may provide input on this. It is not a matter 
that is within our specific expertise. The next one, Chairperson, again, we, we defer to the IEC to respond to the issue that is our paragraph 13. In paragraph 14, we deal with the question of how would it be responded in court to the objection that the major disadvantage of independence having their surplus discarded effectively means they have no choice but to run as parties, which then means the bill does not truly or fairly give them an opportunity to, 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 to participate. Chairperson, in our first presentation to the committee, we had raised the practical difficulties that come with being independent. We understand the case that was made before the Constitutional Court in the New Nation Movement to be this that I have a right to stand for election as an independent. The issue of voluntary associations has been raised, and our understanding is that the very issue of association goes against what was sought before the Constitutional Court and granted by that court. This is the difficulty that we ran into where we have to provide for this issue of surplus votes. But we are hoping, Chairperson, that perhaps the IEC may deal with the issue of how do they deal with the formula to allocate seats to parties. If, for instance, a party requires 50,000 votes to secure a seat, what happens if it gets 55,000? What happens to that 5,000? But that's a matter that we believe that is within the expertise of the IEC in terms of how the seats are located. But it will appear that it's not something in our view that will be unique to independent candidates. There will always be an excess vote that may have to be discarded because you, you can't have half a person but more importantly, again, is the issue that you can only occupy a seat at a time. The, the next issue we speak to, Chairperson, is the issue again of where there is a vacancy that is created either because somebody has passed away or has resigned. The bill at the moment proposes that that seat should be only filled in the next coming election. Now the question is, and more especially bearing in mind the point we had made earlier, that an electoral system must be designed in a way that will enfranchise people. If people have voted for a candidate and that candidate for whatever reason is no longer able to fulfill that function, is it fair and constitutional to keep that seat vacant for the remainder of the term? Or should there be a system that will, en will ensure that the seat is filled based on the will of the people? Because the principle is the issue of one man, one vote, and each vote must count equally. 
there has been practical issues that have been raised in terms of how cumbersome it may be for the electoral system to have to fill a seat by means of a by-election every now and then when a, a, an independent candidate is no longer able. But again, Chairperson, we, we, we defer to the department in as far as that issue is concerned. Chairperson, the department has already dealt with the issue of the last issue in paragraph 16, which is not part of the bill, but we make just some brief comments on it, that the department and IEC members have agreed that independent candidates also be allowed to appoint agents. This is no different issue from the issue of party liaison committees, which we discussed earlier on. That now that the scope is being broadened, it seems to be fair for independent candidates as well to be given space to have agents during the elections. So the issue is no different from the principle we have already enunciated when we dealt with the party liaison committee. Chairperson, those are the brief comments. I hope the document can be circulated for members to fully consider it. And, and, and that, that is the end, Chairperson, maybe through you, if my colleagues would like to expand on any of the issues, that you, you, through you, Chair, you allow them the space to do so. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you, Mr. Njigela. I will do so before we invite the state law advisor to make comments. Um, you will advise me uh, who want to comment or they will opt to comment when members have made their, uh, they've impressed on the uh, presentation. But let me take your route um, uh, um, to invite uh, your team. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you. Um, for the opportunity to present, it will be myself, Suraya Williams, and Sara Govinder. Okay. Um, a lot has been covered by um, a lot has been. Can everybody hear me? Okay. A lot has been covered by what the. Um, sorry, sorry. Just pardon me. Just to uh, interrupt you. Uh, is not my take. I wanted to check with the Mr. Njigela if your team, as you have requested, uh, will comment later. Um, do I understand that is the uh, Sorese from uh, State Law Advisor? Yes, Chairperson. It doesn't seem like the team would like to add anything at this moment. Okay. But maybe, yeah, maybe we'll... if there are deliberations, they can make input. Okay, no, no, thanks. Thanks very much, uh, Ms. Williams, uh, for um, an apology for disrupting you. Uh, we can proceed. Thank you, Chair. Um, a lot of what we want to say has already been covered and articulated by the um, parliamentary law advisors as well as the department. Um, we won't go into detail as to what has already been discussed. But, but other than to say that when we looked at these issues, um, we looked at it through the constitution because the starting point for any evaluation is a constitution. And we looked at it through section 19 of the constitution. 
But um, without repeating as to what was um, already articulated by the um, department and the parliamentary law advisors, we, we, we also had the opportunity to consider the subsequent submission by the IEC. And for the purpose of drafting and legal certainty, there's just um, certain things which I want to highlight, which I hope that the IEC will be able to respond to and um, provide some clarity. Um, with regard to the definition of region and province in the bill, either or we don't see anything unconstitutional about it. Um, but, but what we um, we noted that in the IC submission, um, they proposed a wording for, for region. They proposed that um, that region be given a more descriptive word, and they proposed that it be referred to as multi-member regional constituencies. Um, and we note that they proposed the changes made to item 25 in Schedule 1A to the Electoral Act. But in other places, they still refer to region. Um, for example, in the proposed item 25.2 still uses region. So, so basically the point we want to make is that um, we'd like clarity on if they intend to use, substitute wherever the word or expression region is used with multi-member regional constituencies, um, we propose that it be substituted throughout the bill um, rather than to be used interchangeably because this will help to create legal certainty. And also whether the intention of region, we note that region is, as the parliamentary law advisor also pointed out, region is defined in the in the schedule to the act and um, and we've included a definition in the bill. And if the same definition in the bill is to be used for the schedule as well, um, the ALIS will obviously take care of that and um, delete that expression region. But clarity is um, sought by the IC with regard to the whether the expression region will be substituted with multi-member regional constituencies throughout, okay? And then the next thing we raise with regard to um, party liaison committees, the parliamentary legal services and the department dealt extensively with this one. And we share the views expressed by them. However, we'd um, again like to request clarity from the IC in respect of their proposal. They propose the substitution of the definition of party liaison committee with political liaison committee, um, which means a committee established in terms of the regulations on party liaison committees established in terms of the Electoral Act. We know that um, the regulations on party liaison committees published um, under Government Gazette number R824 on the 19th of June 1998, which are specifically to political parties. By substituting the definition of political liaison committee in the bill says to include independent candidates, it must ensure that the amendment is consistent with the intention of including the application of liaison committees to independent candidates and that it must cater for independent candidates. So we're saying it's not merely a name change, but substantively it must be able to accommodate the um, independent candidates. Yeah, um, and and also the IC is also advised that it may choose to repeal the existing regulations or to enact new regulations that include, that provides for independent candidates. Okay. 
The next matter relates to um, the, the next matter was discussed um, extensively as well, and we concur with our learned colleagues on the views previously expressed um, in respect of the nomination of independent candidates. We, we noted that the IC has made a proposal that independent candidates may be nominated for more than one region for the National Assembly or provincial legislature, but may be elected only one seat to the National Assembly or the provincial legislature. While this remains a policy decision, a concern that arises is that should this amendment be affected by the IC, then it would be necessary to consider the clause two of the bill, which amends section 27.2CA um, and requires a political candidate to show they are registered within the region or the province in which the election will take place may need to be omitted as the requirement will no longer apply to independent candidates. Okay. Um, those are basically the other issues that we wish to add to the um, submissions that were made, but a lot was covered in the submissions which was eloquently presented by the parliamentary law advisor and by the department. Sorry, is anything like that? Okay, thank you, Chair. Hi, Chairperson. Chairperson? Yes, yes, Mr. Matunze. Okay, all right. They are done. Oh, okay. No, thank you very much uh, for the uh, presentation. <clears throat> we'll now go to the invite the IEC uh, to, to present um and it become, it's becoming clearer that there are more issues that uh, are, are referred to uh, to the IEC. We'll have a way to deal with that um, just after members have made comments in terms of how we're going to process a, 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 a certain the issues that the legal service have raised in DHA and uh, state law advisors, uh, um, I'm just cautioning that there may be some of the issues that are related to, to, to the IEC uh, that they may not have uh, pay more, paid more attention to to the committee. But I'll leave that to the IEC. Um, IEC, Commissioner Love, you'll introduce the team and then uh, you'll take us through. Thank you. Thanks very much, Chairperson. And, um, you know, as you've said, there, there are um, some additional issues, um, for example, um, those that have been put on the table by Mr. Njikela um, that, you know, were not raised with us, um, that we can and, and that might come from other members of um, the committee. Honourable members might raise these in questions, and, of course, we will respond to those. To the extent that we um, took away notes from our previous engagement with the committee, the CEO and his team will deal with these. And in particular, the CEO will deal with the issues of um, questions that, for example, were referred to by Mr. Njikela about the number of ballots 
issues like the droop and the hair quota, how do they work, and giving more, um, more understanding and detail, hopefully, to the honourable members. But also in that context, um, issues to do with votes that are received by any candidate over and above the quota, how these are dealt with, will also be addressed. I think that um, uh, the, the one issue that Eddie raised at the end of his presentation, which uh, two issues that he raised, um, the one was in relation to the um, whether or not uh, the, the compensatory votes should be 200 um, or 100. Um, I think in the submission that we made before to the honourable members, and again the CEO will deal with it, we emphasised, as has been said, it is a policy decision. But of course, as part of that policy decision, um, if there are 300 um, uh, um, seats that are available, both for political parties and independents. I mean, I think that the, the you know that it then is clear that there are more seats available when um, the the members of parliament and in Eddie's um, introduction, he seemed to be asking, would this in, uh, um, uh, result in more independent candidates coming in? it would certainly give um, additional potential opportunity to independent candidates, but obviously it would be the electorate that would have the final decision. A last issue just in relation to the question of multi-member regional constituencies. I think the CEO will deal with this. The issue that we were raising was really in relation to um, the second ballot process. It was not a sweeping change to the terminology of region, but it was to enable us to understand how the regional seat for within a province can be very clearly distinguished from the regional seat that will come into the compensatory um, voting system. But if the members feel that it will be better to change the terminology right through of region, obviously that then is um, uh, something that the honourable members will deliberate on. So with those introductory remarks, Chairperson, I'd like to hand over to the CEO. I hope that he has uh, um, sharing rights because he has a presentation um, that he will be giving, including in relation to the quotas. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Commissioner Laf, uh, for uh, the remarks. Um, CEO, Mr. Mamabul. Uh, Mr. Mamabolo. Oh, thank um, you. Sorry, sorry. Uh, am I audible now? Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Th th thank you. Um, thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Um, first of all, th uh, let me thank you, Chairperson, for, for the opportunity. And uh, also thank the... Um, the Minister and the Deputy Minister, uh, Vice-Chair, Ms. Love, and members of the Commission, um, and my colleagues um, in the Executive 
Tate Shiburin, Tate Matlangun, Tate Mosri, Rekarath, and so on. We, I think we must locate uh, the role of the IEC in the evolving process correctly. That the interest of the IEC is purely to offer advice to, co- to the committee, but also to look at the practical implications of the the choices that are considered in the portfolio committee. Meaning the IC would um, maintain a position that does not um, um, engage policy choices, but rather offer advice on the practical manifestation of choice of those policy choices if they are made or when they are made. Now, in terms of the the substance of the of the presentation, is in two parts. Firstly, the committee had requested us to specifically deal with differences uh, between droop and hair culture systems. So we'll do that. After which we will then address the drafting issues um, on the proposals that we had made. Our understanding of our uh, task was um, offer us um, precise drafting uh, proposals to support the proposition you had made in relation to a number of practical issues uh, at the previous engagement. Um, with the committee. So that's um, the the essence of what we're going to be dealing with. Of course, the questions that have been raised this morning, um, we do have answers in the presentation to some of them, but others are coming on the table for us for the first time. And we may not be able to deal with them here and now. That said, Chair, let's, if we look at the the definitions between the uh, the two quota systems. Um, the definition of droop is that the total valid votes cast in a particular election for a particular constituency, and you divide that by the number of available seats in that legislative assembly you add one, then the result plus one is the quota, is the troop quota uh, that you uh, you use. So it's total valid votes cast in a constituency divided by the number of seats available in that uh, legislative assembly or council or whatever, and the result to that, you add a one to it, and you disregard uh, fractions. And then you have what we call a droop quota. Now, the definition of hair, almost very similar, but with one important distinction, is total valid votes divided by the number of seats the result plus one disregarding fraction is the hair quota. Now, what is the difference? In droop, you add a one 
on the divisor. In her, you don't. And just that one distinction has important implications for the distribution and application of these two quota systems. So as an example, if you have in an election uh, 2.4 million uh, votes cast and you have in that legislative assembly 25 seats, if you apply DROOP, uh, the DROOP uh, quota system, uh, the result would be 92,322. And when you apply HER, your quota is 96,015. Uh, uh, so, sorry, sorry, Mr. Mamabulo, uh, you'll pardon me to disrupt you. Uh, if you can move the slides, we're still on uh, um, slide one. Also, oh, on my side, uh, Chair, yeah. uh, I'm on slide um, number two. Can you can you see slide two? Uh, okay, slide. Definitions. Uh, um, unless uh, un unless it's my system, uh, Mr. Matunzi, is is my my side or is all of us? No, no. No, Chair, um, it's Adam here. Um, I think if we can just stop share and share again, um, it, looks, it seems like it's stuck. It's stuck. Yeah, it's stuck. On, the, on our yes. side, all our screens are not moving, Chair. Okay, yeah. I think, uh, sorry, Mr. Mama, would love to disrupt you. I just, uh, for the benefit of all of us, uh, if we can have a minute uh, to for, for you to just work it out. Uh, can you see? Can you see it now, Chair? Yeah, the first slide. Can you go to second one and see if? Uh... Oh, the difficulty is that on my side it is moving, um, um, but can we, Mr. Salman, Mr. Eddie? Yes, yes, yeah. Okay, yeah. do we have it now? Yeah, thanks. Um, okay. No, sorry about that. Uh, my my apologies. No, no, noted, noted. Yeah, perhaps this bears uh, a need for me to repeat this in terms. Uh, I was saying the definition of troop is that you take total valid votes cast in a particular election for a particular legislative assembly. You divide you divide that by the number of available seats in that legislative assembly and you add a one. The result that you derive from that, you, you add another one, but disregard fractions. And the quota that results is the troop quota. Now, in, contradi uh, in contradistinction to her, total valid votes divided by the number of available seats the result plus one disregarding uh, fractions is the quota. So in here, you don't add a one to the divisor. Um, whereas in group, you add a one to the divisor. The divisor is the bottom number when you do a division. So 
if you you make you take an example um total valid votes for in an election is 2.4 million and in that legislative assembly there are 25 seats applying those numbers to the droop uh, uh, formula you result with 92322 on troop whereas on her system using the same numbers you the result uh, it's 96015 now you can already see uh, from those figures that on her, you need more votes to get one seat than you you do on troop. Um, so the the implication of that is that troop facilitates inclusivity to the extent that the quota is lower than it is um, on her. Um then let's let's just go into the actual uh, calculation using using uh, a troop. Here's an example using troop uh, party A, party one until party ten with all uh, votes cast giving you 2.4 billion. Now when you take that quota uh, of ninety-two thousand divide um, the actual valid votes for each party. The result um, is that for party one, 0 0.1, for party two, 15.1, and so on and so on. Based on that, you do the first allocation. So party two get 15 seats, party five get three, party six get one, party eight get four, uh, and so, but you'll see that you've only allocated 23 out of the 25 seats. So you go to your highest remainders. You look at your um, highest remainders, and you rank them. The highest remainder here is in party nine at 83, followed by party six at two, then the last two seats are then awarded to those uh, two parties to make a final allocation of 25. So, group ready, 23 seats are allocated um, at the first instance, and um, uh, the, the last two are allocated on highest, using the highest remainder uh, system. Now, the same figures, if you, you use the hair system, this is the um, this is the result. Uh, and remember, the droop quota we said is ninety six thousand, and on droop is ninety two thousand. So, um, in the first allocation on hair, you distributing twenty two seats, whereas on droop you distributed twenty three which means using the highest remainder methodology uh, for the surplus seats, you now have to uh, distribute three additional seats, whereas 
using group, you only needed to distribute um, two. So with group, you distribute the the quota um, is low, and therefore you distribute more at the first allocation, um, which means the people going into the legislature on first allocation they have the total number of votes required to buy one seat because on the remainders you are no longer working on the total quota but you're working on highest um, um, remainder so people who didn't get the quota would benefit um, uh, more because of the highest remainders Uh, so hence the commission's proposal uh, to use group is beneficial for inclusivity, also for because the quota is lower than it is in uh, in here. So, Chair, I think I'll leave this here for now and go into our, our document if um, that is uh, acceptable. Are you are you done with the presentation? No, chair. I'm. Um, I was done with the. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I now need to go into the uh, into the uh, the uh, the document. Uh, I'll, I'll be with you in a minute, chair. Um, Eddie, can you try to zoom that document f- for us? I'm, I'm struggling to locate it um, on my share screen. Are you able to see it? No, it's frozen. Is it frozen? Mm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, let, let's scroll down. That, that's the, the the introductory part, Chair, which um, we want to deal with. Uh, we'll go to um, just just uh, go up a little bit. Uh, hold it there. Yes. Um, number B, Chair. I, I'm 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 skipping the the. Um, the introduction. I think um, members of the committee can look at that at their leisure. Um, in terms of uh, accommodation of independent candidates in political liaison committees, we acknowledge that the um, current act um, provides for party liaison committee at uh, national and provincial level and only parties may be members. 
But obviously, we're working to include um, independent candidates. Therefore, there's a need to reformulate the, uh, the nomenclature. Our proposition is to drop reference to party and to refer to these committees as political uh, liaison committee. And there are practical uh, considerations to that proposition. Um, there is a lot of both as um, subsidiary uh, legislation as well as policy documents which have reference to PLC. And um, for convenience, practical convenience, it is best to stay with the acronym PLC, even when the substance um, of the those committees will change. Now, the Electoral Commission Act provides that the commission must uh, prescribe a system for political liaison. That's what the Electoral Commission Act says. So we will be in a position to revise the regulations on party liaison committees to make them regulations on political liaison committees to take into account the participation of um, independent um, candidates. So um, we, 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 we accept that um, there will also uh, be um, amendments required to section 120, 62 and 64 uh, of the Electoral Act and we offer the um, drafting formulation respect of those provisions. So you can go down. I, I, I won't deal with, um, with the, with the, with the uh, legal drafting issues. I'll limit the, the input uh, to the principles at play. So you can go down. Yeah, go down further. Yeah, just hold it there. So there at a point, um, paragraph 14, um, as I indicated, the, the proposed amendment will have to be accompanied by a suitable amendment to the regulations on party liaison committee. Uh, those regulations are within the preserve of the commission and um, uh, the commission will then address that issue um, to include independent candidates in the composition of the political um, liaison uh, committee. Um, we can move ahead. I'm not going to deal with the legal drafting issue there. Okay, just hold it. Then number C, Chair, we deal with the issue of party agents. Um, obviously, we can no longer use the terminology um, uh, party agents since um, there will be independence as well. Um, 
our uh, proposition is to refer uh, to this category of stakeholders in the electoral process as agents. We already do so, in fact, um, in the local government uh, context, local government election context, where um, uh, party agents are in fact called um, uh, agents because in the context of local government elections, they um, they are independent, uh, as you know, uh, for the for the ward election, and um, if this it's uh, if the committee accepts this proposition, then there will be consequential amendments to section fifty eight and fifty nine of the principal act. We've noted both what the parliamentary legal service and the state law advisor says that in terms of the rules of the national assembly. Um, permission would have to be sought from the House itself to deal with these two um, amendments uh, to these um, two uh, uh, sections. That's, that's the matter that is within the realm of um, yourselves. Let's move on to the next theme. Yeah, uh, eligibility of independent kind to contest more than one election. Yes, thanks. <clears throat> Chair, the, the principle is that the national, the elections to the National Assembly is one, the nation is one national territorial entity is one legislative body. So you have to be in a position to contest it um, from from anywhere as it were, because it's 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 about the nation or the one national territory. So it's whether you are a a a, um, a party a candidate or a an independent um, candidate, you should be in a position uh, to con to contest it from any regional um, regional um, uh, regional uh, constituency, so to speak. Um, But this is different from a province, and perhaps in the manner in which we provided for this uh, in the document, uh, we, we, it requires a little bit of revision. Um, a province, it's it's a it's a sub uh, it's a subnational uh, constituency, and therefore only people who are the electorate in that subnational entity should be able to um, participate in that election. So, although um, the the region and the uh, the province um, have the same territorial composition, but one is for a national election, which is about the whole national. 
constituency and the other has a sub-national um, uh, territorial uh, composition. And therefore, um, for you to be eligible to contest the provincial election, whether you are independent or party, it has you have to be registered on the provincial segment of that um, of that province. So let's go down. So we we, we yeah hold you there. So we do provide for a. Um, a drafting proposal um, in that um, in that regard, um, save for the the rider that I say um, for regional elections you may contest from anywhere. However, if you win a seat uh, or multiple seats, we, you take the seat where you have the most votes. For purposes of provincial elections. You, you may only contest in the province in which you are uh, ordinarily um, uh, resident. Is the same uh, in local government, um, that you contest in the municipality in which you are ordinarily uh, resident. You can't influence the political, uh, the, the provincial politics of a province in which you are not um, resident. Um, so that principle that we articulate there in paragraph uh, 27 is that it it has to th this principle must apply to both the nomination of independent candidates as it must to the nomination of party candidates so that you you maintain a, a parity of treatment. Uh, between those two um, um, kinds of candidates in your in your electoral environment, um, we can go on to the next uh, topic: electoral deposits. Yeah, let's hold it there. The current scheme is that the quantum of electoral deposits for different categories of contestants are prescribed by the commission um, by way of regulation. The commission proposes that we retain that arrangement. That ahead of the election, it will run a, a process, a public participation process with a proposals on um, how much is what is the deposit for a, a, a provincial legislature for for national election? What would apply uh, in respect of independent candidates for provincial and whatever? And having had and solicited public opinion and uh, expert opinion, then make a determination. It is important that we realize that the determination may be different from one election to the next. And therefore, we need to avoid the temptation of setting that figures in the, the quantum in the act and allow um, that to, to change from one election to the next given economic factors and other 
um, political dynamics. These deposits, these are deposits and not fees. And therefore, they, they will be returned to the participant if they secure a seat in the relevant election. If you, um, after the election, you secure a seat, you will be refunded the, uh, the deposit. If um, you are unable to secure a seat, um, the money is then forfeited to the uh, revenue service. Now, in the event the Portfolio com Committee approves the use of supporting signatures, then it is proposed that um, the quantum of signatures be linked to the quota of the previous election in an equivalent um, election type so that there's an objective mechanism uh, offsetting uh, the requirements of the signatures. Now, th the percentage is not so much um, an important thing. The principle is, is, the, is the key thing here, that link it to something that is uh, objective. Uh, and that is link it to the the quota that that was um, set in the previous election um, of an equivalent um, um, uh, election type. That's the, really the the principle that we wish to propose um, to the committee. Now, the number of ballots. Uh, let's go a little up again. Thanks. The, the, the first ballot, or perhaps I must start uh, by saying uh, the following. The commission proceeded on the understanding that the, the already a policy choice was made in relation to the distribution of the 400 seats in the, in the National Assembly. The, hence, what our, our input here uh, is predicated on that understanding that a, a policy choice was um, um, or at least a policy pro proposal is on the table, and that proposal is 200 um, regional seats and 200 um, um, uh, compensatory seats. We, we, we did not understand um, um, our, the request of the committee to have been to reflect on the suitability or desirability of that uh, policy proposition. Now, we therefore um, propose that we introduce a third ballot. So you have two ballots, one for the compensatory seats and have 
which will the compensatory ballot will be common throughout the national territory. So at all the 23,000 voting stations, that ballot will be the same. The second uh, ballot is, in, is for the regional elections, because those, if you think about it, are unique elections in themselves. And a second ballot brings out that reality quite clearly, that it's a regional election. We're electing regional representatives into the National Assembly. Therefore, it offers the voter greater choice uh, to basically to say at the national level, this, uh, uh, this is my choice. At the regional level, uh, this is my choice, a choice that could include um, independent, that will include independent uh, candidates. So it follows, therefore, that the second um, uh, a ballot would be unique from region to region because different players uh, may contest different regional um, elections into the um, national assembly. So that's that's the the, the the second ballot. The third ballot it's the current provincial um, ballot. Uh, again, it stands to reason that that ballot would be uh, unique in each of the nine um, provinces. Can we, we go uh, a little down? Yeah, just hold. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's fine. Now, the the first issue that uh, of the issues that um, uh, the department and the parliamentary legal service and uh, state law are dealing with is the issue of whether we retain the the um, the long range of reason of region or. Um, uh, whether we we use another another um, uh, reference uh, to uh, to regions, the we are placing for consideration uh, before the the portfolio committee the change of um, nomenclature. Uh, to say, let's call um, the regions as we uh, we have them. We understand regions for simplicity; it's clear and so on. But as reference was made here today, when we uh, legislation is not for legislatures, it's for the public. Now, giving this a more descriptive uh, nomenclature would help with trying to secure maximum uh, clarity in um, in the public. So we propose that we call them, it's an option that could be considered by, by, the, uh, by, the, by the committee to say, um, let's call them for what they really are, 
because these regions are in fact multi-member regional constituencies. They're multi-member in that you don't elect one person in, in those constituencies. You elect several number of people distributed between provinces uh, and totaling 200. So they are multi-member uh, in that sense. And they are regionally based. And they are, in fact, nine regional constituencies um, of, the, uh, of the country. So it's a more descriptive um, uh, 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 reference you give to them uh, that we want to offer for uh, on the table for consideration. The, the question came, and I think uh, quite correctly, if the, the committee accepts the use of this uh, language, the MMRC, then, um, you know, your uh, item one throughout uh, the document would have to accordingly uh, change to, uh, to match um, to match um, the uh, the rest of the uh, of the uh, of uh, uh, schedule one a. So if you you accept it, then you've got to do it throughout for um, um, in schedule one a, so that you don't call them regions in one um, item and call them uh, an MMRC in another. Um, if that then is acceptable, item 25 of Schedule 1 in the bill would then have to be redrafted um, in a manner proposed in paragraph uh, 31. I think we can go to the next, um, uh, to the next uh, theme. Yeah, hold, yeah. Yeah, thanks. Uh, um, now, here is the um, issue of which quota system do you apply? The current bill proposes for the regional elections a, a, a three-part um, uh, methodology. Our proposition was that um, use group and include everybody in one in one um, calculation. And in terms of the unallocated seats, retain for regional uh, constitu uh, regional constituencies, retain uh, the highest remainder methodology. Use group for the reasons that we've indicated in the examples that I, I, I provided earlier. And use one, one, um, one calculation and the, uh, the highest remainder system. Now, the, and the point, and really this perhaps is a repetition, is that it's a more inclusive, um, way it's it's more uh, it will result in a more inclusive um, legislative assembly uh, because the um, the quota is smaller and it allocates more seats in the first allocation 
which means your result is more proportional. You know, you can never have a, a perfect proportion. You can never have perfect proportionality uh, because as soon as you go to highest remainders, you begin to award seeds on less than the full quota. Um, so uh, if you allocate more on the first allocation, it means your house is more proportional. So that's the, really the, the key component. And we are providing um, in the document the precise legal drafting uh, to support that, um, that proposition. Can we go down? Yeah, go down. Yeah, then the allocation of compensators. The, the principle um, of the proposition we're making is that when you calculate the the number of, um, rather the quota uh, for the compensatory seats. Although you are going to distribute 200 seats, but you have to work out of the 400 and then subtract what parties have already gained in the regional seats. In that way, you avoid distortions to your proportionality. Um, if you do it purely on 200, you are losing your ability to restore uh, proportionality and you probably are going to fall foul of section uh, 46, which impels us to get as close as possible to, proportion to proportionality. So really, the, the, the issue uh, regarding the allocation of compensatory seed, it's a calculation methodology that tries to achieve or to get us as close as is possible to a proportional uh, outcome, meaning the proportion of votes equal to the proportion of seats. So we propose to work out of the 400 seats minus um, the seats already gained um, in the region, the regional elections. I think um, we, we can leave that one at that and we are providing um, a, a, a drafting propo proposal in that regard. Let's go further down. Okay. The, the, the provincial seats, again, we propose the use of group for the reasons uh, that we've outlined and for consistency between what we do in the national election and what we do in the, um, in the provincial election. And we uh, provide them a, a, um, a drafting proposition uh, to accord with uh, with that principle of using a, a troop. 
so uh, there is uh, nothing co- more controversial, so to speak, so far as provincial seats are concerned. Can go to the next uh, item. Okay. The next thanks. The next um, issue is the the filling of vacancies in respect of independent candidates. Um, we. We propose that the in filling the vacancies, a recalculation uh, would have to be made at a point where a vacancy arises. Um, that recalculation of the quota at that point will exclude the the vote for the person who caused the vacancy and exclude the votes of the independents who already hold a seat and a a new a quota for for purposes of um for purposes of the uh, filling of a vacancy would have to be uh, would have to be um would have to be done um which means there are certain practicalities that the secretary of the legislature would have to inform the chief electoral officer and then for that calculation to happen and for for a a a, a report to the uh, to, to to the back to the secretary of parliament as to who the next person um is uh, in terms of uh, that process so essentially the principle that we are proposing, you use the votes of the parent election. And in that way, you retain the will of the people insofar as it relates to that election. Uh, you don't discard uh, the results of the, or rather the votes cast in the parent election. You use them to recalculate the quota, excluding the uh, the votes of the um, person who caused the vacancy as well as the votes of independent candidates who already hold the seat in the relevant um, legislature. So really the, Israel is, is the way of determining um, who is second best um, um, in terms of the votes expressed in the in the parent election, again, we're offering a, a a drafting proposition to support that. Let's let's go to the next. Chair, um, um, I think in in respect of the the issues that uh, we understood. Um, um, to be the ask of the committee. We've tried to address them um, in this document. There are additional issues that uh, appear to have emerged uh, from um, 
the discussions that we've had earlier. But um, this is the, uh, as we understood it, uh, you had a need to be uh, provided with drafting proposals to support the propositions we're making in the various uh, areas, and we've done so um, the document. If there are other additional issues that emerge, um, depending of the nat- on the nature of questions that you may wish to pose, um, we may be able to deal with them here and now, or the Commission may have to retreat to go consider them carefully and, uh, and revert. Um, Chair, with your leave, uh, I'm not sure if um, my colleagues uh, would want to supplement maybe one or two points, um, and I'll turn towards Ndata Shibori, and then I'll, uh, uh, through you, Chair, you can allow him to, uh, to make a point or two. Thank you, uh, Mr. Mamagul. I think we can, uh, if there's additional uh, points to be emphasized, uh, uh, Mr. Shiburu can come in. Thanks, Chair and CEO. Just to underscore one, uh, uh, one point, and we will resubmit a new document that has this new uh, detail. I see uh, AD is writing an older, do- an older version of the document. The in the drafting notes, what we're proposing to arrive at parity in the manner that we treat candidates, whether independent or candidates standing on party list, is the following that we permit both candidates to contest multiple regions. However, we restrict them as it relates to the provincial legislature election to a province in which they are registered. That is true for both independents as well as for candidates who appear on, uh, on, 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 on party list. And if that is acceptable, we will then propose a redrafting that gives effect to this in respect of, uh, of, party, of party candidates because the bill as it currently stands, it allows candidate to contest however it places a restriction on independent candidates to be contestants in a province where they are ordinary residents when there is no requirement for party agents other than just in the submission of documents in the current draft in section 27. That's the one point I need to make you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Okay, I just wanted to say that's 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 all there. Thank you very much. All right. Thank thank you, colleagues, for um I see and uh, and uh, um state law advisor uh, what we will do will uh, allow members to comment and perhaps raise some of the issues and i take note that uh, there were issues which were raised earlier on by the uh, in particular the dha in the parliamentary legal service 
that were uh, referred to the IEC and uh, to some extent the presentation uh, do as respond to those uh, uh, issues, uh, though other issues may need to be further be processed by the, uh, the IEC, um, will then re- just receive a, a written note on some of the issues so that we consider in our, our, our deliberation. And I think this process uh, assisted to uh, uh, further give a more deliberation at the level of the committee on the issues that uh, were, were, were raised it was a necessary um, a, a, a process that we are engaging, we're engaging on. I know that the uh, perhaps the minister or the DM may be attempted to uh, uh, tap into comments on some of the issues that uh, are raised by the IEC or the legal team. Um, I will give them that opportunity if they do so. And I'll allow members to comment and raise uh, uh, questions for purpose of more deliberations on all the issues that are being raised in our uh, next uh, 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 meeting. Um, at least members will be given opportunity to go through uh, on these issues. And I, I must, uh, we must re-emphasize that we know as the committee that these are not new issues. Uh, that were presented, the presentations that were earlier presented uh, by yourself, uh, in particular, uh, legal team, IEC, and DHA, in responses from parliament, you know, public uh, hearings. Uh, uh, you, are, you are taking from that point of the, uh, and the deliberations that uh, have been raised. Uh, so I think that uh, point needs to be re-emphasized that it's a continuous reflection on the issues that are arising, on the deliberation that we are, we are engaging on. I will then allow members to make comments uh, and questions. Um, I will start with the uh, uh, Honorable Jose, Honorable Ross, Honorable Malekwa, Honorable Pillay, Honorable Van uh, uh, um, I got an apology from Honorable Mudise. She will indicate uh, if she's uh, uh, back. Um, and uh, uh, Mr. Matunz, you'll alert me if there are other members who are on, this, on the platform uh, who uh, may need to, uh, com- to comment who are not necessarily from the committee, um, but they're joining the, the, the meeting. So that uh, more empowered uh, contributions. In that order, Honorable Jose. Thank you very much, Chair, and my apologies for not switching the video on. I'm experiencing a problem with my network. Chair, let me start by greeting all on the platform and really appreciate the presenters for having given us a lot of information on what we seek clarity on. But Chair, sitting here, Previously, we've been waiting for IEC specifically to bring more clarity to issues that we previously raised in the portfolio committee meetings. But Chair, where I'm sitting, I had questions, but 
after the presentation of the IEC, I honestly see a need for us to have a whole day uh, engagement with the IEC because sitting here looking at the presentation that they've just done, asking questions and leave it at there will not be doing justice to the presentations. Because also for us to reach to a point of concluding the work that we are expected to do, we honestly need to have clarity and more information so, Chair, I will not be asking any questions at this moment, but I'm going to request that, especially that some of the information we just got now, we as the committee members be given a chance to go and thoroughly engage with this document. And at least if possible, let's have, I don't know if I should say, let's have a physical meeting or let's say a, let's have an, an, a, a whole day engagement, even if it can be virtually with the IEC so that we can talk on issues that they've been raising. And for us to have a full presentation and ask questions and comments, honestly, it's not doing justice. We must engage each other even when the issues arise, Chair. So where I'm sitting, that's my proposal. Thank you very much. Honorable Ruas. Yeah, thank you, Chair, and uh, thank you to all the presenters uh, for the considered inputs that have really added tremendous value to this process. Um, I think we, we're still looking for the, the IEC's advice on the signature processing. Um, I know it was mentioned um, in response to the clause about the three months. Um, Candidates that were in a political party and now that want to stand as an independent um, needed to, to make that change uh, not within three months before the election. Uh, the, the issue that we raised there is, is how long it would take to process the, the signatures uh, for the signature requirement, um, especially if you're considering a 30 or 40,000 signature requirement, that somebody at the IEC is going to have to do that. And I think it's important that we we do receive that input in terms of the practicality of this. Um, how would the IEC process those signatures and verify them? Uh, and how long would it take? On the proposal of multi-member regional constituencies, uh, my one concern here is that it could lead to confusion down the line, uh, because we've said at this point in time, uh, we've agreed that to, to try and split up the country into constituencies. There isn't time for that before the next election, but that that needs to be urgently considered after the next national election. So if you had to change region, if this, if my understanding is correct, if we are changing region to a multi-member regional constituency, and then you introduce constituencies, um, to, to my mind, that could then create confusion again. So it, it will come to the point again where you will have a separate constituency entity and a separate region entity. Then in terms of the political liaison committee, I think it's a very good idea, um, especially when we make these changes. You know, it has a knock-on effect to all sorts of documentation, et cetera, that would refer to, to PLCs, uh, that, that if you make a change to that, uh, it could affect that. So, so uh, very happy with the, with the idea of a political liaison committee. Then in terms of uh, item 14 that uh, uh, Adam Salmon raised, um, it mentioned there that, that we all agreed. Uh, I, I certainly don't remember agreeing to that. I think we, we agreed to the one seat per independent candidate, uh, but not that surplus votes be discarded. And uh, 
I'll explain why this is important later on, uh, Chairperson. So we are here to satisfy the Concord uh, judgment to facilitate independent candidate participation and to do so in a way that uh, retains general proportionality. And I think we've really found each other on most issues. Um, point number one, I certainly agree that uh, with the IEC proposal that um, we, we allow independent candidates to, to stand in multiple regions, provided they meet the requirements in each region. Uh, because chairperson, you know, we, 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 it's difficult to compare an independent candidate to a candidate standing in a party, because at the end of the day, the party is able to stand in all provinces. And the independent, uh, if you compare the independent to an individual in a party, it's not the individual in a party that's standing, it's the party that's standing. So, so I, I do agree that, uh, that the independents should be able to contest in, in, in each region. Uh, and then obviously, you know, there, there should be, you know, the, the requirement that is proposed in terms of the provincial legislature also makes sense. Um, it's, it could be difficult to have a representative in the provincial legislature of Gauteng that lives in, in the Western Cape, for example. Um, but, but chairperson, a key issue really is, is general proportionality. And if we've seen the explanation of hair versus droop, um, but the, the elephant in the room chair is that if independent candidates are not considered for the PR seats, then this is a killer blow because whatever you do in terms of hair or droop um, in the regions, your general proportionality will be skewed uh, because at the end of the day, you will have a different quota of votes for political parties for those 200 uh, seats and you will have a different pro uh, proportionality or, or, or seat threshold required for an independent candidate. As a chairperson, you know, if we're agreeing that independents should be able to stand in all the regions, then I don't see a reason why those votes cannot be uh, added together. And if they don't get a seat in one of the regions, then the combined seats be considered for a PR seat. Um, because chairperson, I, I, can, I can promise you with the mathematics, it doesn't work out. You, you will not get general proportionality if independent candidates are not considered for PR seats. So the, the seat allocation system, we, we, we're agonizing over it. And it's something in the public participation that even the, the chair of the team uh, that the MAC report came from, uh, MAC Maharaj, questioned this. And he said that nobody had proposed this system and it's not used anywhere else in the world. So we're choking on this complex system, um, but, but really we, all that we require is, is minor adjustments to the existing system. So the existing system has, has three stages. The first stage is you work out your national proportionality on one threshold. Everybody, all the parties have one threshold uh, that they are judged against. Then you go and work out the, the regional seats there in each region, it will have its different threshold. You work out the number of seats that the candidates got. And then in the last round, you come back and then you see what the difference is, how many uh, seats the party's got in the different regions. And then those uh, seats are topped up according to the proportionality calculation in step one. So, so chairperson, the, you know, if you make the, the adaptation that an independent candidate gets one seat um, at maximum, um, and that the national group allocation, uh, which is currently limited to five seats, is removed, then you get the effect that, that people are asking for. Um, because what will essentially happen 
is if you are not dropping the votes of independent candidates, um, you, will, you will have certain parties that get their vote in terms of their proportionality. And then the, the, the rest of the votes that get topped up by remainders, uh, the, the more extra seats that the independent has that, that made it, the more smaller parties will pick up those uh, seats once you do a proportion calculation. So at the end of the day, you might have an independent that, that got many, many votes and got one seat. But if you, if you do not discard those votes, if you keep those votes, it means that the political parties get seats according to their proportion. And then when you do the um, remainder allocation, those seats are, are more than likely going to go to independent candidates or perhaps uh, smaller parties. Um, and so certainly, Chairperson, it's, you know, the current system with two minor adjustments is, is absolutely going to resolve a lot of the issues that, that we face at this point in time. And then really what it also does by allowing independents to, to be considered for the PR list or the proportional list um, is that, that that entire list can then be considered when you need to replace an independent candidate uh, should one become incapacitated or, or, or pass away. The challenge that we have with uh, section 42 of the IEC's uh, inputs in terms of a recalculation is that under certain circumstances, this can result in somebody that's already in suddenly not having enough seats to, to make the cut. So there are, there are potentially unintended consequences that can happen. If you throw it, if you discard votes of somebody that, ma that made it in, um, specifically if they had a large number of votes, it can, it can skew things in unexpected ways. Um, and, and so really by making two simple adjustments to the existing seat allocation system, you would in effect come up with a, uh, a proportional uh, remainder system, which, which could essentially give you a list. Um, and then from that list, you can keep, you can fill up uh, independent candidate uh, vacancies. Then, Chairperson, uh, we've requested the, the timetable from the IEC. I think in, in terms of the fact that we have been given an extension until December, I think it's very important to, to receive that, uh, that, that updated timetable that the IEC provided to us at the very beginning of this process, where they just looked at the, the, uh, the general legislative requirements and the, the timeframes that are involved, and then also the timeframes that, that they require to then prepare for the election. Uh, I think it's important for the general public chairperson that everybody is comfortable that we are on track and that we also can, can measure against that timetable. How are we doing? Are we getting uh, close to, to certain deadlines, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, that's all the input from me, chairperson. Thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable uh, Muleko. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, I don't want to waste time. I'm covered. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Pile. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Let me first thank um, all our presenters and, and the um, stakeholders that have presented this morning. I think for me, this helps the process a lot because um, I'm just going to request you to switch off my video, Chair. Um, for me, this, this helps the process a lot because it gives us um, clear understanding, uh, explanations, and being able to then um, 
uh, chart a way forward. But the only challenge I have is that <clears throat> there was quite a lot of information for one to absorb this morning. Um, and while you, I've heard you say earlier that we, this is nothing new, but when you listen to the presentations coming from, from IC and um, parliamentary legal services, uh, it makes you start looking at things a bit differently in comparison to what we may have been discussing and hearing. And I think um, it makes a lot of sense now. So for me, I think um, we have approached it correctly to say that we would have enough and sufficient time to be able to discuss, deliberate, and then when we come in um, at our next meeting, we'll be able to, um, to make inputs. But yeah, I think uh, there's one thing for me that, that stands out. Um, it's about the regional um, slash provincial um, uh, terminology. My understanding from what was presented today is that we're actually calling a province a region, one. Two is that the current reference of constituency is actually speaking to a provincial legislature, whether it's in the um, um, uh, demarcations of provinces, uh, even through the, the different formulas that are being used, because what you do is you take the number of seats in that legislature and the number of votes cast within that province. So I'm just trying to, to, to understand why it won't be easier and much more feasible to then refer to provinces and legislatures the way you would you know, refer to it as a, province, as a province or as a legislature. And then the other thing is in terms of constituency, if we are speaking and, and from the presentations, I gather that we are referring to, and perhaps maybe there should be a question of clarity on whether it is referring to um, 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 a constituency currently is a legislature. Um, then it avoids the, um, the confusion um, that Honorable Roos has mentioned, which I think uh, makes logical sense because it may confuse people when you refer to constituency. Because sometimes you would refer to constituency as a smaller block rather than an entire um, a legislature or province. Um, the other thing that I, I, I want to be able to, I, I think there are other issues that I would obviously be able to, to zoom into as we go on. But the one particular one that, that, I, that I want to raise, Chair, is this... Um, um, methodology that is being used in terms of the highest uh, remainder. I think it's, it talks about um, um, the maximum of five seats to that effect. And perhaps uh, we need to look at that specifically. Um, and my proposal would be that we actually use, um, we, we stop that highest remainder methodology. And we should actually look at going straight into the average votes per seat instead of going to highest remainder methodology we should actually go into the um, average votes per seat for me that will become a a fair process um, then in response of um, uh, what loosely is termed as um, surplus or wasted and I don't think there's anything wasted 
But surplus votes is not a new concept. And I think we must, we must understand and accept that. In every election, whether it's provincial elections, national, whether it's local government, there will be what is referred to as surplus because once the formula that is used for that, for that election allocates seats, uh, the remainder of those seats become surplus because it doesn't meet the quota or the threshold for another seat. And it means that you then become a surplus vote. And this happens to political parties. Um, so there's no difference when, when it then happens to, to independence. And I think um, we must be fair to the process that it, it does exist and it's already happening. And I'm sure that it perhaps even happens in all countries. It's not just in, in, in South Africa. But also I think, um, Chair, there are some technical things that we might have to, to ask the relevant and pertinent questions to in respect of IEC, in respect of, um, of even what DHA has been saying. Um, and I'll be better prepared after having looked at it. I also would like to, to request that presentations that we've not yet received, if we can be able to receive that, so that we are able to then um, really unpack it. Um, and for me, Chair, I think we need to start cross-referencing the different uh, submissions so that we are able to, um, to understand it better and look at what the different uh, stakeholders or role players um, are saying so that we can be able to, to deliberate and, and reach finality. And before I, I, I end, Chair, I want to also say that um, what is going to be important um, for us as a committee, um, and I said this before, is, is not the fact that we have to rush or meet a deadline, but the fact that we have to get um, every clause um, um, constitutionally correct, legally correct, uh, and also uh, one that is going to be um, justified, uh, but fair in terms of, of, of citizens of this country. And when we do this chair, we must also take into cognizance the fact that we cannot disadvantage uh, existing uh, uh, political parties um, or even the smaller parties just because we are accommodating independent candidates. I think it's going to be very important and crucial that we must be able to, to uh, level the playing fields, but be able to give a process that is fair to everyone and a process that makes um, perfect um, sense in terms of, of a political um, um, uh, stability within the country. So for me, I want to, to say that um, we will have time to be able to deliberate on it. The presentation should be sent to us. But also I, I raised the one specific one that I zoomed into, and that is on, in terms of the methodology. My submission chair would be that we, we consider using the, um, the um, average votes per seat and not the um, highest uh, remainder methodology. Thank you. Thank you very much. Honorable Fanor uh, Merve. Yeah, thank you very much, Chairperson. I have been uh, largely covered by my colleagues, but I think first off to say thank you very much to everyone for the very valuable presentations. Um, I only received one of the presentations, so I'm hoping that I will um, get the rest in due course. Um, and yes, Chairperson, these might not be new issues um, that we are dealing with, 
But I think I want to reaffirm what we said in the previous meeting, Chairperson, and that is that the task um, before us is to create uh, inclusivity, to create fairness, parity, to create an environment, Chairperson, where we make sure that we level the playing field, as the Honourable uh, Pillay just said, and ensure that there's a conducive and enabling environment for independent candidates to be able to fairly stand uh, in, in elections. And I think we are getting to a point where on many of the issues, we are understanding each other and we're on the same page. So I think also I would agree with uh, the fact that we should allow independent candidates to stand in all regions, um, but then for them to take up a seat in the legislature if they are elected to the legislature in the province where they come from or reside. Um, it is the practice with, with political parties as well. Um, I agree that we should change the party liaison terminology to political liaison uh, committee. I think that's a sensible uh, agreement or proposal. Um, on the issue of deposits, for example, Chairperson, I think I agree with the CEO's approach that it should be determined per election, uh, considering factors, for example, such as the you know, circumstances in the country, whether economic or otherwise. Um, I think I support also the proposal of the IEC in terms of how we should fill vacancies. Of course, the droop method, as has been explained to us in, in great detail, uh, encourages uh, far greater inclusivity, although I think um, some of the matters that Honorable Ruiz raised in terms of filling or seat calculations, we will have to consider as a committee. Um, Chairperson, yeah, on the issue of deposits and signatures, I, I still maintain the view, as I've said many times before, that I think it will be completely unfair to uh, expect an independent candidate to pay the same deposit or garner the same amount of signatures as political parties. And it has been touched on by the IEC, as well as the various other presentations. Um, but I think we need to get to a point where we come to an understanding about what a fair formula would be. Um, and therefore, I think we do need to get greater guidance from the IEC in terms of international-based practice. Um, for example, you know, if a political party is expected to pay, um, like I've said before, if they're expected to pay a 100,000 rand deposit and they're fielding uh, 100 candidates, are we then saying that an independent candidate will, for example, by a thousand rand deposit. And also what is fair in terms of signatures for an independent candidate? Is it 500? Um, because I think, um, you know, we need to get to a point where we start to look at some of these issues in more detail. Um, because I really think it would be, we need to ensure that we do not make it impossible for independent candidates to stand in this election. But otherwise, Chairperson, I think we will go into greater detail uh, in our next discussions about some of these issues. But I think we're getting to a point where there's great clarity in terms of some of the issues that we've been grappling with. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you very much. Um, I'm not sure if Honorable Mutise is there. I'm advised that Honorable Jacobs want to make a comment. Um, Honorable Jacobs? Okay. Uh, is there any other matter, Minister, uh, Deputy Minister, you'll want to impress on um, before we invite back the 
um, the, the team. Minister. Thank you very much, Chair. Just two issues. As I'm listening to members, I become convinced about the proposal made by Honorable Lawas that perhaps the committee, together with the presenters, might need a one-day workshop where you don't only listen to inputs and response, but you engage continuous engagement, question, answer, debate, etc., so that we come nearer each other. As we did, you may remember that at the beginning of this whole process, uh, we were called to present the Department of Home Affairs document to all political parties, where it was really some form of a workshop. I will really ask for that. The second a thing I want to make is, I, I thought every time we meet chairperson, there are things at least on which we agree and they must be checked and we go on. I'm speaking here under correction because I thought I picked up something from the parliamentary uh, uh, <clears throat> legal office about the issue of replacing an independent candidate when they are no more or when they have left parliament uh, uh, about the fact that we spoke about expenses and all that. I thought that matter was resolved because while the initial document of home affairs was saying there's going to be no replacement, after engagement with the IEC, they came with a proposal, which we all accepted, that yes, there will be replacement but it, not, it won't be in the form of a by-election, but it will be in a form of recalculations and all that. I thought that was ticked off and the, the, there's no debate about that because nobody else is challenging it. But I really still believe this issue of workshop is needed, Comrade Thank you very much. Um, comments, uh, DM, if you have anything. No, I've, I've been covered. Thank you. Thank you. Um, let me establish if there's any response uh, or not response per se, but comments as members have been raising. Um, let's pack this one of the, 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 the workshop. Um, we'll deal with it when we, we, we close. Um, Chairperson, it's Faiz uh, Jacobs. Uh, May I come in, please? Oh, sorry. Honorable Jacobs, you have called you earlier on. Honorable Jacobs? Yes, thank you. Thank you, Chair, and um, uh, thank you to the committee. I think for me, this has been an invaluable uh, experience just to to observe and to listen and to, to commend the team, especially this portfolio committee and all the presenters and dealing with such a difficult and delicate uh, uh, topic. So um, I've learned, I've observed, and I just want to commend the team and say thank you. Um, thank you very much. Um, let me start with the uh, 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 parliamentary legal service. If there are issues to uh, respond, um, state law advice. Um, uh, I assume the minister spoken. It may not DHA and the IEC. Um, then we'll establish a um, or just ascertain some of the issues uh, that are in our table for, for deliberations. 
Mr. Njigela? Daksha? Hi, Chairperson, it's Talana. Um, uh, Mr. Njigela has indicated that there's nothing further to respond to as um, uh, committee members have um, forwarded no questions to, towards what we presented. So there's nothing further to add. Okay, thank you. Um, State Law Advisor, Ms. Williams? Thank you, Chair. At this stage, we have nothing to add, Chair. Okay, thank you. Uh, DG and uh, Mr. Malikan, if there's any other matter. No, Chair, I am covered from my side. Okay. Uh, Commissioner, Commissioner Love, and uh, you will then delegate to the, the, the CEO if there's a matter we want to comment on. Thank you, Chairperson, and thanks to the honourable members. Um, I, I think that as um, has already you've already indicated, but also um, uh, the, the the ministers emphasised this proposal by the honourable member Lechwase in terms of a one-day workshop. We would be very open to that, and we're in your hands in that regard. In terms of some of the additional items um, that we've been asked to give um, feedback on such as an updated um, uh, timetable and, and, and so on, and also um, the request by the Honourable Hundemover for um, us to make proposals in terms of um, the differentiation or the, the idea of a differentiation in relation to signature and deposit requirements. I mean, these are things that we can take back to discuss. But I think that the, 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 um, uh, some of the issues that have been asked for, um, for example, exactly how long signature processing um, for candidates would take, I think the issue here is it's an example of something that would require certainly a system development, which in itself takes time. And so in that regard, it might not be possible for us, if, if we had no system, it would clearly be a very manual process and, and probably quite um, unworkable. So, so um, Chair, I'd like to just invite Commissioner Moyepia to see if he has anything to add, and then the CEO may want to respond now or at a later stage to some of the other questions. Commissioner Moyepia? Um. I do not have anything to add, um, uh, Chairperson. Thank you very much, and good good morning to you and the team. Thank you. Through you then, Chair, if I could just hand over to the CEO. Yes, let's can proceed. Uh, morning, Commissioner Miyabza. Okay, thanks to uh, Chairperson of the meeting and uh, Vice Chair of the Commission. Um, clearly, there are um, a number of issues that can benefit uh, from the proposition of um, of, a, of a of a possibly a fiscal workshop uh, where we go through um, these issues. Um, some of the the points that are on um, the table. Will, will will require that we get into a little bit more detail and therefore hence our support for the proposed um, 
workshop. I, I don't think we can achieve a lot trying to explain them here and now. Um, we rather defer them uh, to that engagement, which we hope um, the committee can do in the not distant future. Thanks, Chairperson, and thanks, Vice Chair. No, th thanks very much. Uh, uh, <clears throat> honorable Mayor, attending to this uh, matter. Um, uh, note the uh, process of uh, interacting with this uh, electoral amendment bill. Um, and I've cautioned earlier on that uh, um, it's a responses of public hearings and the delivery matter. Um, and this as a result of our own uh, uh, contributions and clarity that we sought. Uh, and uh, the, uh, uh, the commission and the, the legal service and the DHA came back to the, uh, to the, to the committee. And um, they, they were careful in terms of the policy choices. Uh, they were not attempting to get into, uh, into that, to, to that space. So it gives us as the committee members to further uh, uh, deliberate on the issues uh, that we have uh, 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 started to engage to engage on. Earlier on, in terms of the recapping of our presentation and deliberation, I have indicated that differences which were articulated by members, um, and I make reference to Mr. Salmon, uh, who indicated that uh, two or three members may have agreed or differed on this matter or in favor of the subject and that are arising in terms of the amendment. It gives an opportunity um, advices in terms of the issues that we, we, we're raising uh, today. And I think we must appreciate the um, the stakeholders sufficiently. We've provided a clarity on all, um, all, all the issues uh, that uh, we read uh, forwarded to the members in terms of this uh, new uh, uh, or the updated responses to that effect. And will give opportunity to members to interface with that. The proposal that was uh, or is on the on the table may not be immediate. Uh, we to continue to deliberate on the issues that are, are before us, so that that workshop must not, uh, if we to con if we will consider it, uh, may not start discussion uh, afresh. Members must able to deliberate on the issues. And we isolate key issues that will need further uh, 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 consideration as the proposal for or physical or uh, deliberation with the with the IEC as uh, on technical issues uh, that the committee may need further uh, uh, discussion on that. So 
will continue with the uh, deliberations and then isolate issues. But that workshop may need to just refine some of the issues that the committee may need a, a proper a, or a sufficient clarity on some of the key issues as the commissions have, 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 have raised. We are noting that the matter, Honorable uh, and, 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 and the Minister, but it must not be established as uh, uh, the, the, uh, all matters must be referred to the uh, to the workshop with the with the with with with, with, with the IEC. We'll continue with the deliberations as a, a, a schedule. And I I I'm observing that the IEC is already to engage on the A list in terms of amendment that may need to uh, to come in into the uh, to electoral bill. That will formulate our, 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 our summary in terms of the uh, process that will be, engage, will be engaging on, uh, on the deliberations. And uh, later on, we'll add uh, uh, consideration for the uh, workshop with members and all the isolated issues that we may have considered as the, as, 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 as the committee. I think that will be sufficient for for, for processing uh, this uh, that we've been we've been uh, raising and the comments that we've been raising. The last point is that the uh, 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 minister, we were careful uh, at the committee, and I think we are we are persuaded that the decisions that we were we taken, there's understanding in terms of the areas where members uh, may have consensus on. And, and this recapping and noting uh, both uh, ourselves and the content advisor in, in the meetings, that demonstrate that the, the uh, uh, possible consensus reaffirm uh, uh, those uh, consensus because there's uh, uh, different views. And I think this presentation, which we are continuously receiving, um, as Honorable Pile uh, raises, give new thoughts on some of the on some of the issues, so we may not uh, necessarily at this point come to the committee and say this we have decision on this matter. Let's move on this matter. But we have managed to, if you have attended the last committee meeting, to deal with some of the uh, uh, um, items that the committee may need to formulate a consensus uh, on. And I want to appreciate that uh, members do note and appreciate the input that have been presented and will give you a thought and reference to the uh, deliberation that we're continuously in, engaging on. IEC, I think we note uh, the, uh, extensively the, uh, uh, the group uh, uh, methods that we have uh, articulated and in detail uh, clarified some of the issues and empowered uh, on the areas where members uh, were, were, were concerned. The principle which Honorable uh, Founder um, uh, 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 have raised in terms of the fairness. That is the uh, standing uh, articulation uh, informed by the, uh, uh, the reports that was presented uh, by the uh, task team and also expressed by the uh, electoral uh, amendment bill. And all of us, I think, will take that concept that uh, we need to have uh, a fair in terms of directive that the court has directed the committee to deal with. Stand and formulate, the, uh, continue the process of the of the of the deliberations. We'll then take this uh, um, um, 
in the manner that we've been uh, framing the deliberation content advisor and in our next meeting next week we'll continue the deliberation is there in um, can i check with honorable members so that we move to our next item Ross. Uh, no, Chair, fine. Honorable Pile. No, thank you very much, Chair. Honorable Van der Merve. No, Chairperson, we are happy with your summary. Thank you, Chair. And also to, just to support the proposal for a workshop. Thank you. Honorable, thank you, Honorable Jose. I am okay. Thank you, Chairperson. <laughs> Okay. Um, now I will invite uh, Honourable before we get into the next item. Mr. Salmon. Yeah, thank you, Chairperson. Sorry, you cut out there for a second. Um, yeah, just to indicate on our current draft uh, program, uh, we have another meeting scheduled for Friday. Uh, so you, you just mentioned the next meeting was going to be next Tuesday. So I just wanted to know if we, we're still going to continue with that Friday meeting. For no, no, no. Oh, okay, noted uh, uh, that point. Uh, I think I was. Uh, 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 I note note that the the supposed to be meeting that matter in the in the menko. Uh, that was with put in our introduction and also a summary uh, that uh, the next committee meeting will be uh, next week and will give more time to members to um, uh, deal with this presentation that uh, has been has been presented and i think you are you're right to just uh, alert in terms of the previous uh, 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 schedule so our meeting will be next week uh, mr salmon is that clarify you yeah, yes, thanks, Chair. And thank you, Chair. Okay. I just I, I switched off your video because you, you keep cutting out um, just for the time being. I know we're, we're being recorded. It's just we're, we're having difficulty hearing you. No, 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 Chair. It was struggling with network, uh, Mr. Salmon. I think that's the, the matter that we're, we're sitting with and we can't avoid it. Thanks very much, Minister. Thanks, uh, Commissioner Love and the the, the commissioners, the CEO and your executive team, parliamentary legal service, and the state law advisors and the DHA, the DG, and the legal team. Thanks very much for your presentation. We'll step off uh, this item. We're now going to the next I last item, Mr. Matonzi. Uh, Chairperson, it, it will be me dealing with that one. It's the, the issue of the the annual business plan. Yes, thanks very much. You can proceed. Uh, thank you. Um, Chairperson, just to indicate, we, we 
based on the members' input in the last meeting, um, we said we would wait for any additional responses from the members. We received no additional responses. And uh, all the issues that were raised in the last meeting um, by the members, we've endeavored to include this as part of the, the, the third term program. Um, this, so, so, so for instance, uh, meeting, meeting uh, having a workshop, a full day um, workshop with the, I, with the DHA on uh, all the outstanding issues. Um, <clears throat> being um, made part of the, uh, the, the third term program. Um, so the, the annual business plan remains largely the same. Again, it's just an overview uh, type document. Um, and we've got the outstanding recommendations there from our budget, um, budget reports and our um, annual performance plan review of the, the entities. So the, the, the plan has remained largely the same and we've just endeavored to include the members' recommendations as part of the um, committee program so all that's left for us to do is just to uh, adopt the report and then we'll endeavor to include all these uh, these things as part of our program thank you chair no thanks very much um, um, uh, mr salmon this report was presented members if you recall in our last uh, a committee meeting. We dealt with some of the issues. We requested members to comment um, um, in the framework of uh, uh, the presentation. We do uh, uh, present this for your consideration adoption as a working, uh, uh, um, and you know that uh, we've singled out that we'll have a, a physical uh, meeting um, in terms of the program next term, uh, late November, late September or November, to meet with the Department of uh, uh, Home Affairs to deal with some of the key issues uh, that we're, we're collectively with the department working on since the sixth parliament. As you know that uh, the, uh, the term of office ends uh, possibly um, uh, next year, and we had to begin to highlight the legacy report, uh, but uh, progress, and the weaknesses uh, that we have identified, um, um, and that this is a consensus uh, or the resolve we have agreed on. Can I get members to uh, uh, note the uh, the report for adoption? Any other matter? Yeah. In the Noted, Chair. Noted. Honorable Pile. I'm saying that it's noted, Chair. Okay. Noted, Honorable Khwase? Yes, Chair, noted and adopted as a wet king document. Honorable Ruas? Yes, Chairperson. Um, yeah, seconded or, or thirded from our side. I can hear you. I said it's seconded or, or thirded in, from our side. Okay, thank you. Honorable van der Merve? Any other opposing view? If there's any other opposing view? Okay, so we have, uh, uh, it was proposed for uh, uh, adoption, then seconded to adopt uh, this uh, uh, report. Um, Adams? 
Are you noting that? Noted chairperson, yes. Thanks, members, uh, for adopting this uh, uh, report. Um, Mr. Matonzi, is there any other item? Uh, Chairperson, there's no other item we've done. Okay. Thanks, members. If there's no any other matter you want to raise, um, and I must appreciate that you have taken time during this recess uh, to continue with the work of uh, Parliament, in particular to the matter that uh, is before us. Um, we have received brief on the extension. Uh, we must work uh, so that we are able to allow the NCOP also to uh, uh, deal with this uh, amendment uh, amendment bill. Um, again, we thank the department, IEC, uh, parliamentary government in particular, to continue with this uh, uh, electoral uh, amendment bill deliberations. Uh, the meeting uh, until uh, next uh, meeting uh, will be communicated uh, by the uh, uh, secretary, which will be next week. Uh, thanks very much. Uh, the uh, meeting stand agent. Thank you, chair. Thank you, chair. Thank you, chair. Hey, bye-bye, bro. I can you by phone now, Chair. Can I phone you immediately? <laughs> Thank you, Minister. Yes. Yes, I've been chasing you. Thank you. <laughs>